Word for today, a ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church in Egan, Minnesota. It is our prayer that the message from God's Holy Word would bring a new and deeper love for Jesus in your life. Welcome to Living Word Lutheran Church. I'm Pastor Nathan Olson. It's a blessing and a joy to be with you today and sharing God's Word with you. Here in our congregation, we believe that every single time we open up God's Word, that something miraculous takes place. You see, we don't look at this as simply another book on the shelf, but we look at this as the Word of God, true, inspired, inerrant, from cover to cover. And so because of those convictions, we come today with an expectancy, an expectancy that God is going to work through His Word in the lives of those who hear it, to convict them of sin, to point them to their Savior, Jesus Christ, and then to teach them how to walk with the Lord as Christians. It's our prayer that as you hear God's word today, that these truths will come and do that same work in your hearts as well, to draw you through the heart of faith that Jesus would call for you to have. Would you pray with me today? Heavenly Father, we come and bow before you. We ask that you would be glorified through this proclamation of your word. I pray, Lord, that you would speak through me and as your servant to these who are listening and work in their life. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. Politics at the dinner table. For all of you who just heard that, there is probably a a deep, dark, gut-wrenching feeling that you have. We have been well indoctrinated with the idea that it's normally not uh, well-received to bring that up at family gatherings. Uh, Dinner table conversation, uh, outside with the family around a picnic table. It's not usually well received to bring up political conversations. And even more and more as our country has become so tribalized and so polarized in its views, um, even just expressing a idea politically is enough to you know, have everybody gang up on you at the family gatherings. Um, and we especially see that that's true, especially when there's a variety of viewpoints of those who are gathered together. Um, it, when you have a variety and you put that in the middle, it's just like fireworks, just going off and just, uh, uh, you're looking for a problem. You're guaranteeing an explosion. Well, today we see that the chief priests, they, they didn't really get that memo. Um, we see that they try to engage in some politics with Jesus and Jesus had been in the temple. He had been teaching there and, and calling out some of the false teaching, uh, that was there, and you know that probably didn't um, help the chief priests feel any more kind toward Jesus. But these religious leaders then, in turn, decide that they're going to try to blackmail Jesus. They're going to try to set him up. They're going to try to to put him in a corner to say something negative politically that's going to get him canceled. You see, cancel culture is alive and well today, but very much so, two thousand years ago, the religious leaders of the day were trying to cancel Jesus. And maybe, maybe they thought we can catch Jesus saying something politically controversial. And if so, that will get him either in trouble with the authorities or with the people that are listening to him. And so they decide, how about we go for the topic of taxes? Nobody likes taxes, except if you're the one receiving them. And so if Jesus says something about taxes, then his career as the proposed Messiah is surely sunk. And it seemed like the perfect lose-lose opportunity that the religious leaders had formulated to put against Jesus. If on one hand, Jesus said that it was good to pay taxes, then all of the people who are listening to him are going to turn on him. 
Because, of course, nobody likes to pay taxes. Nobody likes the idea of losing money that they've worked for and hard-earned and paying it to something, some other entity. And so if Jesus says that, then he's going to be in trouble with the people. But if Jesus says it's not lawful to pay taxes or not a good idea or says something against it, the Roman soldiers who are occupying Jerusalem are going to seize him as an insurrectionist. So it seemed like the best of all worlds for the religious leaders who were trying to do Jesus in and trap him in his own words. And so they have this perfect plan, and now they just needed to find someone to do it. Because after all, they couldn't go themselves. That would just be obvious. They would give it away that you know, it was a trap. Because the religious leaders in Jesus aren't on good terms here. Jesus would know it was a trap. He would probably smell it a mile away. But if we can send someone else who would pretend to be sincere and wanting to learn from Jesus and and really seeking an honest evaluation of this topic, and they would ask the question, then it would be okay. If you have your Bibles, we're going to be looking here and uh, and seeing in our passage today about uh, this question being asked. And I'll direct you to verse 19. It says, The scribes and the chief priests sought to lay hands on Jesus that very hour. For they perceived that he had told this parable against them, but they feared the people. So they watched him and sent spies who pretended to be sincere, that they might catch him in something that he said, so as to deliver him up to the authority and jurisdiction of the governor. So they asked him, Teacher, we know that you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality, but truly teach the way of God. Therefore, is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? You, you can just, you know, see this pithy attempt as you listen to these words proclaimed here. Uh, here they are pretending to be sincere, pretending to be concerned, pretending to really want to know an answer. You know, teacher, we know you speak and teach rightly and show no partiality. Truly teach the way of God. Oh my, this is called deception to the worst degree right here. But you see, their thoughts were, with such compliments, with such, with such flattery, with such you know, supposed intrigue, surely Jesus is going to fall for this, right? He, he's not going to see it coming. We're going to trap him in giving an answer to this question. And then after all of this compliments and buttering up, here's what they pitch. Is it lawful for us to give tribute to Caesar or not? And as this question goes out from the spies, you can almost hear the audible gasp from the crowd. The people knew what this meant. This was like career suicide if Jesus gave an answer to this. It was a lose-lose situation for Jesus. And maybe even some of you here are sitting and thinking, I don't even know if I'd want to answer that. Uh, How do I give an answer about taxes in our world today without people biting my head off or being angry with me? Now, some of you in the congregation here, you're looking worried for Jesus. But just remember who this is, right? This is the Son of God. He's not going to be caught by some snare or trap. He's not fooled by flattery and compliments or deceived by the spies who are sent. He, he, he knows all things. I mean, you're trying to fool the Son of God. Good luck. That's not going to happen. And what we see, as we've seen throughout this whole sermon series of Looking at the, the question asking of Jesus, we see that he flips the question right back on them. He takes the question that is intended to pin him in a corner and trap him and ensnare him. And he takes the same question and he turns it right back to those who are sent to deceive him and put them in a corner. 
He perceived their craftiness, verse 23, and said to them, Show me a denarius. Whose likeness and inscription does it have? And they said, Caesar's. And it seems like you know, a pretty simple and straightforward question that Jesus would, would bring about, right? You know, harmless. It's obviously a denarius has an inscription of Caesar. All of the money of the day had an inscription of the Roman emperor. And so they, they fall right into his trap that's going right back with just like a simple question. They're giving a simple, obvious answer. Well, of course it's Caesar. Where is Jesus going with this? And with this question, then we see that Jesus takes their trap and puts the ball back in their court. And he says to them, verse 25 then, Then render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. Render to Caesar the things that are Caesar's, and to God the things that are God's. You can almost see the gauntlet being thrown down or the mic drop happening at this moment. Here you have these religious leaders. They're trying to catch Jesus in a tax question. And all of the, you can just picture all of the, the many strings attached with that. But Jesus throws it back on them and says, it's not a tax question, it's a heart question. It's not a tax question, it's a heart question. And, and what became very obvious very quickly for all of those who are watching the situation is that what Jesus is confronting here is that there was such a concern with the things of the world and the perception of others and the prestige, etc., and one's wealth, and not about the Lord. And what we see is that for the kingdom of God, the things of this world and wealth, it's just not a top priority. It's, it's not on the list. God's worry and the things that he cares about is not how many bills or dollars you have with the emperor's face on them in your, in your pocket. Um, the storing up of wealth? No, that's, that's not a, a priority for Jesus. And, and if someone is demanding of your money or resources, and you let's say you have to pay that up or, or someone takes it of you, that's in the grand scheme of things, that's not the biggest loss. That, that is not the concern of the believer. At the end of the day, it's just a metal coin that we have stamped with someone's face on it, or it's printed paper that gets printed and, and distributed. Uh, for for each and every one of you, you, you have these, right? You open up your wallet, you have a $20 bill, you have, you know, maybe a 50 or a 100 if you're lucky, but, you know, $20 bill in your, in your wallets, your purses. Uh, I want you to, to look at that and take a hard look at some of the, these dollars that you, you have that have our president's faces printed on them. Is this the almighty dollar at the altar of your heart today? Is that the thing that you're chasing after and desiring? Is that what you are storing up and that if you were going to lose that, that would be the biggest loss for your life? For Jesus, as he's asked about this tax question, he says, you know, it's, it's stuff. Give to Caesar things that are Caesar's. I'm more concerned about what you're giving to God. Give to God the things that are God's. The, the storing up for yourself treasures on earth where Moth and rust destroy him, where thieves break and steal. That's not the calling for the Christian. Instead, to, to look at storing up for ourselves treasures in heaven, where moth and rust does not destroy him, where thieves do not break in and steal. Jesus' question then back to them and his statement is, is one of a heavenly perspective. And sometimes I wonder if we need one. 
if we need a heavenly perspective as well, that we've gotten so comfortable, so used to just looking at the things of this world, the things of our life, and holding on to them so tightly. And, and sadly, what I see as I look at those who are in the church is that even Christians oftentimes get up in arms about stuff that just really doesn't matter. Have you ever seen a Christian like that? They, they just become so obsessed or so frustrated or so focused and fixated on something that in the grand scheme of things just is not an issue. It's maybe a small temporary loss, but it pales in comparison to the, the, to the kingdom of God and his plans. And for me, you know, personally, do I like taxes? I can't say I've ever met someone who does. But, you know, the money that I'm giving out, it's not the biggest priority in my life. Um, that, that's not something that I'm going to like let sink my life or put me into a pit of despair or get up in arms about. Uh, we, we need to be concerned instead as believers about what's due to the Lord and putting our lives before him and saying, God, here's, here's my life. It's on the altar before you. Use my life how you want it to be. I'm giving you my all. I'm giving you everything. And, and if I lose stuff along the way, it doesn't matter. You do not have a better standing before God when you breathe your last breath if your 401k was big, if you're leaving lots of generational wealth. You have no idea what's going to happen to that stuff afterwards anyway. You know, we have no control over those things, but one thing we do have control over is where our hearts are before God. If we're seeking Him by faith, if we're living according to His ways. And Jesus' question here and His statement is one that brings a call for a heavenly perspective. A perspective that looks at the bigger picture and sees what God's after and what he's for. And the call then to give to God the things that are God's is a call for our lives as well. Now, maybe you're listening to this message and you're thinking, now wait, Pastor Olson, hold on just a little bit. We should be sticking up for our rights. We can't let the government get out of hand. We can't let them just put taxes on everything and increase it. We have to stand up for our rights and protect our wealth. And um, one of the things I guess I would push back a little bit on that respectfully is, are those things compromising the gospel? You know, if you are getting taxed 20% instead of 15%, is that a gospel issue? I kind of think it's not. Is it somehow impacting your witness for the gospel? kind of think it's not. In fact, sometimes I think that when Christians fight so fiercely on some of those battles, it actually ends up discrediting the gospel. It shows a watching world that we are so concerned about our money instead of that which has eternal value that we're so fixated and focused on the things that are temporary of this earth rather than on the things of the kingdom of God. And so my encouragement for us here as a church is just to not die on the wrong hill, right? You know, let, let's be known for people who are making much of the gospel, who are standing up for the kingdom of God and advancing that with our lives, giving to God the things that are God. And, and if we need to give to Caesar the things that are Caesar's and he needs to take our stuff, that's fine. We're not, that's not the top priority for us. Let's not die on the wrong hills, dying on the hills of our wallets instead of dying for eternal stakes in the balance. Um, some, some have maybe even proposed, well, taxation is a form of persecution. And no, it's not. Why, why does taxation have anything to do with persecution? No. No, they're, they're, no. if they were taxing, taxing Christians more, then maybe yes. But that's not the case. 
you know, if anything, right now in our country, Christians are given, you know, oftentimes tax exemption, especially for churches. And so there, there isn't any kind of persecution going on with taxation. And, and, and it's certainly not a gospel issue to die on. Um, are there even countries or around the world that, hire, that have higher taxes? So there are. And, and some with lower, and there are. And sometimes what I'll tell people, so if you'd rather live there, go ahead. Uh, don't actually do that if you're part of this church, by the way. I, I would like to keep you here. But, you know, you know what you signed up for. If you're living in this country, you know what the rules and regulations are. You know what the tax law is. And you submit your taxes every year by April and uh, in order to stay in compliance. And that's not a surprise to any of you. Uh, that's the cost of living in this country. You know, those things go and support stuff. Whether we like that or not, sometimes that's out of our purview. But what we are able to do and what we are able to fight for and what we are able to be concerned about is our lives live for the kingdom of God. And that's Jesus' point here. Give to the Lord the things that are his. And, and, and stop dying on the wrong hills and asking the wrong questions. And if you ask the wrong questions, you're going to get the wrong answers all of the time. But sometimes we need to reframe the question in our mind and step back and ask ourselves, what are we really going after? What are we really fighting for in our lives? Um, Jesus' point is not to grab on so tightly to this world that you miss the eternal home, that you miss the word of God and its presentation to you. And my call for you friends here at Living Word and, and listening on the radio is, not to sacrifice your life on the altar of the almighty dollar, but instead on the altar of the cross of Christ. To come before him and say, we're not going to let this have control of our lives anymore. But instead, we're rendering to God the things that are God's. We're giving our lives fully to him, before him. He is our, our, our one that we're chasing after. He's our master, our redeemer, our hope. This is the one that we're following after with our lives. And, and this is going to, in some ways, look very similar for all of you. And in some ways, it's going to look very different. Uh, on the one hand, it's going to look similar for all of us because it's the same calling. It's to give to God the things that are God, God's. And that's, and that's our lives. That's our hearts. That's our, our you know, uh, Jesus says in Matthew 22, to love the Lord your God with all of your heart, soul, mind, and strength. That's giving of ourselves to the Lord, of all of who we are. And so in that way, it's a, it's a universal call for the Christian believer to give all of who we are to God. And, and there's a lot of similarity in that. But there's also a lot of diversity in this. You know, the, the way that some of you are going to approach giving to God the things that are God and, and putting your heart out for the kingdom of God, it's going to look different from your neighbors. You know, all of you don't have the same gifts. All of you don't have the same background. You don't have the same talents. You don't have the same age. You don't have the same demographic that you're working with. And God has put you each in those own unique circles in order that you would be able to labor there for the kingdom of God. That you would be able to, in your own vocations, speak up for those who are being persecuted, to uh, watch out for the lowly, to proclaim to them that they have a Savior that's come for them to redeem them. And so my hope for you as a pastor is that as you think about implementing this, right, that you would think about the, the aspect of your life that that fits in. And I'm not able to tell you that. I, you know, maybe if we sat down and had coffee, we could talk about the different areas and facets of your life and what you're passionate about and what you're gifted in and come up with a plan. Here are some ways that you can be giving your life for the kingdom of God. 
But for, for the most part, you're going to have to do some soul searching on this one. What does it look like for you to say, God, my life is yours. I'm giving everything that I have for you. I am rendering to you that which is yours. Uh, that's going to that's gonna look different for each and every one of you. One of the people who puts what he preaches into practice is Jesus. You know, Jesus is, is telling the, those who are listening this, uh, you know, give to God the things that are God's. And, and then he goes and does this. Well, he's at the Garden of Gethsemane. You maybe remember he's praying and says, God, you know, if it's possible, let there be another way. Let there be another way that this could be accomplished, a salvation of the world besides me having to go and die on the cross. He knew what was coming. But then he says at the end of his prayer, but not my will, but yours be done. Jesus, he shows us what it looks like to practice what we preach. You know, it's one thing for us to say, well, yeah, we're going to give to God the things that are God's. Give him our life, give him our all. We're all to Jesus, I surrender. And we can sing that. But putting it into practice, living it out, Jesus shows us what that means. It's coming to God with a heart that says, God, I'm not my own. I'm submitting and surrendering my life to you. Whatever you says, go. Uh, whatever you want me to do, I'm going to do. Wherever you want me to go, I'm going to go. Uh, my life is in your hands, not my will, but yours be done. What would it look like if you started praying that? What would it look like if you live your life in that way and stop focusing on the things that are in your wallet or your purse as that which you're chasing after or that which is on the altar of your life, but instead that your life would be on the altar of God, saying, God, I'm a, I'm a sacrifice for you. My life is yours. I'm all in. I want to serve you wholeheartedly. I want to be used by you. What would it look like for you to start praying that? Uh, my, my invitation for you as a pastor is to give it a try and find out. What would it look like for you to say, Jesus, I'm all in. I'm following after you. You have my life. You have my all. Your will be done with my life. I'm giving to you, God, the things that are yours. May the Lord bless you as you go and you follow after the adventure of being a Christian in this world today. May the Lord give you wisdom and tactfulness to serve him wholly. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, I thank you for a chance to look at this passage here. And I pray, Lord, that it wouldn't be something that just goes in one ear and out the other, but God, that you would be using our lives for your glory, that you'd be magnified, that you'd be glorified, that we would be submitting our will to yours, that we would be looking for ways to be used in the kingdom of God. And Lord, not trying to, to shirk responsibilities or get out of things, um, not be glorifying other things in, in life, like the dollars or or schedules, or retirements, or whatever, Lord, but that we would be really seeking to give ourselves fully to you. Pray that for my friends here. Would you give them a wisdom and discernment to how to do that? We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to God's Word for today. If you're impacted by the message you've heard, please consider donating to the Ministry of Living Word Lutheran Church by visiting www.livingwordaflc.org.